0: Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: What I felt in this game, and Pete's going to love this, but what I felt in this game, because this is an indicator of how I think games are going to go, most bullpens have lefties. The Nationals didn't. You're going to have a lot of this, maybe as early as the fifth inning like we saw. I think the Mets need one more threat off their bench. And hear me out, because I know right now is not the time because they have a doubleheader on Saturday and because they just had a starting pitcher go one inning. But in general, in general, do the New York Mets need two, four, six? Do they need nine guys in their bullpen? Or eight guys in their bullpen? I mean, maybe with the way that they've been pitching at times, yes. <laughs> no, no. What Do they? They have starting pitchers, Pete, that outside of Taiwan Walker tonight, in general, go six innings every start. They do. Now, I get it. You're going to run into a day like today where he doesn't go six innings and he ruins your bullpen by by pitching one inning. I admit that. And then you have to make short-term adjustments, maybe calling up an extra arm. But in general, do the New York Mets need... 13 pitchers on their staff. I know that's become what everybody does in 2022, but I'm telling you, you have Jacob DeGrom, assuming he's healthy. You have Max Scherzer. You have Cookie Carrasco, who's eight innings. You have uh, Chris Bassett who eats innings. And until today, Tywan Walker eats innings. Do you need 13 pitchers and eight guys coming out of your bullpen? Because if the answer is no, if I can at least convince you, Pete or anyone listening that the answer is no, That means you don't have four guys on your bench. You have five. That means the fifth guy could be, take your choice, Mark Vientos, Francisco Alvarez, another weapon. See, most teams are okay with four guys on their bench because they don't have four positions that are platooning. They're not using three different bench players in the fifth inning. So... I'm just saying the way they're built, and I'm not even complaining. I I like the way they're built. They've got mashers who hit certain pitchers. I'm just saying I felt this way watching this game on Friday. One more bat, a five-man bench. It kind of fits. Now, I don't know if the Mets are going to do it. I know that most teams like having eight guys out of their bullpen, and right now is not the time to do it because of the doubleheader where they will get an extra guy. The extra guy is going to be David Peterson, but you do have the extra guy. And then, of course, you know you just taxed your bullpen a lot. So I'm not even suggesting this is anytime soon. I think more. And then in September, you get the extra guys anyway. So maybe I'm just making an October point. And in October, my point makes even more sense because you have less pitching even needed and you have more off days. So really, my point is for about a two-week time period in late August. No, but that I will agree upon because the one thing that today's game proved Going up against the the Braves pitching staff is they're built for the playoffs pitching-wise, pitching rotation-wise, pitching depth-wise Yes, because they've got three lefties out of the bullpen. That's freaking annoying. And the Mets don't have enough right-handed batters to face. Like you said, they basically didn't have that one more guy to go to. It's a problem. Well, you, you put yourself in a spot where if you make your big moves in the fifth inning and you're getting the matchups you want in the fifth inning, you put yourself in a spot where in the eighth inning, you don't have the matchups you want. Uh, I'm not saying that even happened today. It didn't necessarily happen today, but you can see it happening. You know, I just think, I, in fact, I'll give you this example. I'll, I'll give you a more specific example of where the bat would have been needed. In the ninth inning, Let's say the Mets weren't down four. They were down three. Obviously, William Contreras tacked on a bomb. Or even, it was nine to five. McNeil hits a home run. It's nine six. Let's say the Mets got a few guys on base and Tomas Nito's spot came up in the order. And even though Nito had a double in the eighth inning of this game, if Nito had come up as the tying run in the ninth inning, the Mets had one guy left on their bench. and It was James McCann. You're not even... Pinch hitting Tomas Nito for James McCann. It's like Tweedledee or Tweedledum. Neither guy can hit. So if the Mets were going to bring up the tying run to the plate and Nito was going to be in a big spot, you were left naked. You were left with nobody to use off your bench other than just riding it out with Tomas Nito, which I know Buck likes to do anyway. So I think when you pinch hit for Vogelbach, which will happen, especially against a tough lefty, And you pinch hit for Naquin, which will happen against the lefty. And you pinch hit for Guillerme, which may happen against the lefty. You just used your entire bench because the fourth guy on your bench is a catcher. But you want to pinch hit for your catcher because your catchers aren't very good offensively. So that would be an example where if the Mets had rallied a little bit more in that ninth inning, uh, it would have been more obvious, I think, for everyone to see. Yeah, damn right they need another guy on the bench. Uh, But either way... Look, the bullpen did a really good job keeping this game close. I think it was just frustrating because they had so many opportunities in this game. But when you give up nine runs, you're not you're not going to win. Uh, that's the bottom line. Michael Givens didn't give up a run, but Michael Givens was very shaky. He was very close to getting destroyed by the City Field faithful when he walks the leadoff hitter on four pitches, and then it looks like he's going to walk Michael Harris in front of Acuna, and then gets lucky. You know, gets Michael Harris to basically line out into a double play, even though it was bounced. You know, your old-fashioned 5-6-3 double play. Uh, he sort of got lucky. So I don't think there's any med fan that trusts Michael Givens in a big spot. But overall, the bullpen did a fine job. Uh, they lose this game. The first game of this series was so important. And that's why what Buck did on Thursday was essential, which is put that hammer down and say, Let me take the opener because even right now, after losing the second game of this series, I still feel good because we're back to where this thing started and where this thing started was with a four game lead in the loss column in the National League East. And as we talked about coming into this series, just hold serve, whether it's winning three out of five or losing three out of five, you're pretty much in the same spot standings-wise. And that's really what this is about. It's about finding a way to win the National League East. So in the opener of this series, especially when they jumped out to an early lead and they had a 5-0 lead after three, it was really, really important to make sure that you took game one. And we've talked about this before here on Rico Bronya. I'm a big fan of using my best reliever in the biggest spot in the game. And that's not always going to be the ninth inning. What was fun about what Bug did on Thursday night was he gets the six innings out of Carrasco in which he's brilliant outside of the home run to Acuna. I thought he could have pushed him into the seventh inning. He was coming off a one, two, three inning. He looked pretty good, but I get it. He goes to Adam Adovino, who was so frustrating because he gets the first two guys out, is ahead 0-2 on Orlando Arcia, and then base hit, wild pitch, base hit, gives up a run, he gets out of it, and he strikes out cunha, thank God. But Adam Adovina made you sweat, and he's going to make us sweat because he's not this good. He's just not. Not a knock on him. It's the reality. So you've got yourself a two-run lead, and Buck says, wow, against the heart of the order, I should use my best pitcher. And he described this after the game, and I believe him. He basically said, I'm going to have him face the best hitters and then we'll see about the ninth inning because, and that's the point. That's why you should use your closer in the eighth inning. If the better hitters are coming up in the eighth inning, because you've got yourself different avenues about how you can handle it. Avenue. Number one is I get a great eighth inning and I'll worry about the ninth inning with someone else, but that guy's facing weaker hitters than what that guy would have faced in the eighth inning. Cause if you use your eighth inning guy in the ninth inning, he's facing weaker hitters in the case of what happened on Thursday. So option number one is you flip-flop them. We saw the Mets do that earlier this season against the Dodgers. It obviously didn't work because Seth Lugo blew the save, but we'll flip-flop the guys. Option number two is I get a great eighth inning and then maybe my offense breaks this game open. Maybe I get like a five-run eighth inning. And remember, the Mets had two-one and two out, or two-one and one out. They had a shot to break it open in the eighth inning. They didn't. And then avenue number three, which is the one Buck took, is, well if he doesn't throw a lot of pitches in the eighth, maybe I have him pitch the ninth too. And that was the avenue that fit for a few reasons. A, Diaz was rested. B, he only threw 11 pitches. And C, the Mets didn't break it open. And so when he went to Diaz in the eighth, I said to the buddy I was with, this could go five different ways. Let's see what happens in the top of the eighth inning. Let's see if the Mets break it open in the bottom of the eighth inning, and then you'll know, we'll all know, should he come out for the ninth inning. And based on 11 pitches, based on the Mets not breaking it open, it was obvious to give him the ninth, and look, it wasn't easy. Rosario hits an 0-2 pitch near his eye somehow for a base hit. It looked like Diaz was weakening because he was about to walk Orlando Arcea on four pitches, and then Orlando Arcea hands us a gift. Just hands us that gift with that check swing. So I loved what Buck did. I think that because right now, and things can obviously change on how we feel about this bullpen, right now you don't trust anybody in this pen outside of Diaz, even out of Vino. You just don't. So I think the six-out save or the five-out save, I think is going to become more routine in the bigger game, especially in October, especially in October, when you've got all those built-in off days in the postseason. There's a reason why Joe Torre was able to do that with Mariano not just because he trusted Mariano. He was the greatest closer of all time, but because with all those off days in the playoffs, it's not as challenging as when you do it during the regular season. Like you're seeing the challenge of what Buck did the other night. Diaz was not available for the Friday night game. Turned out not to matter. I don't know if he's available for either game Saturday. We like to make an assumption. He is. We don't know that. And Buck's not going to tell us. We'll find out. Potentially. Uh, We do have news about Saturday, by the way. What's that? We have the starters. We know the order. Do you want to take a guess or no? So, well, I'll tell you what I would want to do. Uh, My preference is to have Max Scherzer pitch the nightcap because if I win the first game of the doubleheader, I go for the kill with Max Scherzer. If I lose the first game of the doubleheader, I have my protection and my stopper in Max Scherzer. Well, I think you said that the other day, and I believe that Buck Walter is a fan of Rico Bronya Podcast because that's what he did. It's David Peterson, good. G- d- game one, and Max Scherzer, game two. Good, good. And I know that the Braves are doing – they got Odorizzi and Max Freed. Obviously, Odorizzi's a new Brave. It's going to be his Brave debut. And Max Freed is their ace. I think they're doing the same thing. So Freed's going to pitch the nightcap. We get, Fr- we get Max versus Max – which we got a few weeks ago, and we get Odoriza against David Peterson in the first game, which is fine. Like, I I, I don't know if Brian Snitker or Buck Showalter is kind of playing with each other, thinking, oh, what are you going to do? And I'm going to do this. Look, I'd start Max the Icap anyway. I've always been a fan of that with doubleheaders, where if there's a clear, better pitcher, sometimes there isn't, but if there's a clear, better pitcher, I want the guy in the second game. Because then I know what I'm dealing with. Like, for example, let's say David Peterson's terrible. And the Mets have to use their entire bullpen. You basically know going into the nightcap, all right, Max, you find me a way to get me eight innings, bro. And Max is good enough, and Max is smart enough, and Max is such a competitor that he will. So I think it's better that way. Now, Obviously, I hope you take the first game and you go for the kill with Scherzer at night, but I love the idea of kind of using my better pitcher later in the day. So we'll get Max Max to wrap it up. And we'll get David Peterson against Jake Odorizzi uh, to kick this baby off.